the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Folks, welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Welcome to the Eric McTaxas Show. When Eric was a kid, he won a contest to ride on one of Santa's flying reindeer. Well, the experience was so amazing that Eric decided to change his middle name to that special reindeer. Now, please welcome the man who loves soaring to new heights, Eric Litson Metaxas. Hey, folks, welcome. Happy holidays. <clears throat> I always say that sarcastically. Chris Himes, you know I'm saying that sarcastically. I meant to say... Merry Christmas. Um, actually, Merry yes, Christmas. That's yeah, that's legal now. We can say that. But it was it's illegal legal for many years because Trump legal. is back in office. Oh, wait, right. not yet. Um, not yet. So so uh, Merry Christmas and a happy new year in advance to those of you who are planning to be alive in a few days when 2024 dawns, which is really it's going to be one of the craziest years. Let me say in American history. No exaggeration. Yeah, that's, we have a, that's a lot. Going on that we cannot even talk about, like madness, lunacy. But I want to be clear. I believe God's will will prevail. I believe that it's like being in a war, and you fight, and you pray, and you trust God with the outcome, and I believe things are happening. As I've spoken around the country this past year, I have been profoundly encouraged meeting amazing people, going to amazing churches. One thing people ask me is, hey, what can I do, Eric? Number one thing you can do, if you're going to a church that is not taking this battle for liberty seriously, taking this battle against evil seriously, oh yeah, evil exists, like a, a cutting parts off of children and young people, um, you know, I, I think if you don't understand that that's evil, if you don't understand that strangers flooding across our border, Chinese nationals of, you know, I, I, young men in their 20s, uh, radical uh, Muslims uh, who are potentially sleeper cells for Hamas, people kind of act like, oh, yeah, that's just conservative talking points. Boy, do I wish that were true. But it's not. It's evil. And we have an administration in bed with evil. And so if you're going to a church that is not dealing with this, and there are many churches, otherwise good churches that are not dealing with this, that think politics is out of the realm of the church. If slavery were on the ballot, would you say that? If Jim Crow laws are on the ballot, would you say that? Do you think the civil rights movement born in the churches, do you think that that was out of line, that the churches got political and tried to get legislation against Jim Crow laws? You think that's out of line? Many American pastors, that's what they seem to think. So here's my action point. If you're going to a church like that, please, for the sake of your own soul, Get out. Don't ever give a dime to a church that is not in this battle. I mean that very seriously. 
In hindsight, I think you'll realize I was right when I said this. I think a couple of years from now, you're going to say, you know what? Yeah, yeah. We were part of a church like going to a German church in the 30s that says, we're not going to get political. We're not going to be part of those taking a stand against Hitler. No, no, we don't want any trouble. We don't want any trouble. We, 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 uh, we just want to do church. Folks, that's the devil's church. Pretty harsh, right? Except, unfortunately, if you look at what happened in Germany, it's true. I'm telling you, if you read my book, Letter to the American Church, the parallels are not deniable. So you want to pretend that they're deniable. You want to ignore the facts. God is going to judge us for what we do and what we don't do. And if you're going to a church that doesn't take this seriously, I want to tell you that that is scary to me. We all need to link arms in this battle. So that's my uh, that's my message to you. If you're going to one of those churches, the time is over. Like, oh, I think we can convince the pastor to be a little bit more bold. No, it's it's over. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Over. Done. Um, you need to uh, find a church uh, or find a group of people who are willing to pray and willing to take this seriously and to be active in, in whatever way you can be active. We're all active in different ways. Everybody can't do the same thing. Everybody is not called to do the same thing. Everybody doesn't have time to do the same thing, but we can all do a little something. And the one thing you can do is not go to a church. That's just playing church. Um, okay. Uh, Chris, I want to say a couple of things. This is, uh, you know, this is Christmas week. So we're airing some reruns, some fantastic, fantastic conversations I have had um, with with a number of people. Uh, we're airing them this week. We continue our campaign uh, into January. Very important with CSI. Uh, we're still way behind hitting our goal. So uh, if you've not yet participated, uh, you still have the chance to go to metaxastalk.com. I want to exhort you to go to metaxastalk.com. Dot com, please go to metaxistalk.com, please. And while you are there, you'll see the banner. Click on the CSI banner. Uh, if you prefer to use the phone number, I'll give you the phone number in a minute. I'll let you get a pencil or a typewriter or a crayon or I don't know what you use, but I'm going to let you have time to get it so you can write down the phone number. But when you give to CSI, every $250 frees a slave and sets them up in a life of freedom. It's an amazing opportunity, folks. It's very rare you get an opportunity like this to be part of something this beautiful, this clearly good. There's no mitigating factor. It's not like, oh, when you give $250, it goes to some bureaucracy. No, this is this is CSI. That's why we, we work with them. So here's the phone number. Again, the, the, the website is metaxistalk.com. You can click on that. The phone number is 888-253-3522. Again, 888-253-3522. I want to really encourage you uh, to do that. That's a beautiful thing that you can do. Um, I also want to encourage you to go to SocratesInTheCity.com and sign up. You'll see a thing that says Socrates Plus. You can't yet pay any money, but we'll send you the email when it goes live. Socrates Plus is its going to be big, folks. This year is the year of Socrates Plus. We've been working on it all year long. We're ready now. 
January 4th, it goes live. There's going to be all kinds of Socrates programming on it and other kinds of programming on it. A gentleman's guide, lots of loony, wonderful stuff. We say the tagline is truth, humor, hope, truth, humor, hope. Uh, we need a little bit of those things in our lives. So you can go to SocratesInTheCity.com. On the right side, you'll see Socrates Plus. Click on that. Um, I want to also encourage you, please help uh, our sponsor, Mike Lindell, MyPillow.com, MyStore.com. Uh, if you go to MyPillow.com or MyStore.com, please use the code ERIC. Please tell your friends to use the code ERIC. Um there's a lot you can do. You can share these videos. Uh, if you if you get these videos, if you go to um, ericmetaxas.com, if you're signed up for my newsletter, a couple times a week we send out a newsletter, you can sign up at ericmetaxas.com. We send you these videos. We send you all kinds of stuff. You can share them with your friends. You can sign your friend up to get the newsletter so they can get the videos directly, all these interviews that we're airing this week and every week. Um and you can also tell them to use the code. If you want to support this program, use the code ERIC when you go to mystore.com and mypillow.com. Um, we, we've just got lots of great stuff we're airing this week. We are airing um, some of these conversations that I did at Socrates in the studio. That's a new feature of Socrates Plus. When that launches, you're going to be able to see all these video conversations on this program. We're just doing the audio conversations, obviously, and they're edited down. But to see the whole thing, they'll, that'll, be, that'll be available January 4th at Socrates Plus, which is this big streaming platform. So I want to encourage you to get news on that. Uh, click on SocratesInTheCity.com. On the right side, you'll see Socrates Plus. But there's no way I can do it justice. When you'll see it, I think it will amaze you. Uh, so again, I want to encourage you along all these lines, go to SocratesInTheCity.com, sign up for our emails, go to EricMetaxas.com, sign up for my new weekly newsletters, um, which probably we're going to be doing more than once a week now because we have so much information. And don't forget CSIMetaxasTalk.com. You'll see the banner, an opportunity to be part of something beautiful, doing something beautiful for God. Go to metaxastalk.com, the phone number 888-253-3522. Folks, right now in other parts of the world, people's lives are being threatened simply for believing in Jesus. People have been enslaved for their faith. So listeners to this show know that I'm passionate about the work of Christian Solidarity International because they protect and free those who are being persecuted and enslaved for their Christian faith. I've got to thank you for your life-changing generosity for years now. If you've given a CSI through this program, you have played a role in freeing literally thousands of captives. So as we near the end of this year, can I ask you to give once again your gift of just $250 will free a woman in Sudan who has been enslaved for years. You can buy a believer's freedom and provide her with food and other supplies necessary to start her new life. Just $250. Maybe you can give more and free more people. Call 888-253-3522, 888-253-3522, or go to metaxastalk.com. Please do it, metaxastalk.com. This Christmas, the new film from director George Clooney arrives. 
It's a rags-to-riches absolute crowd-pleaser based on the number one New York Times best-selling book, the inspirational true story about one of the most difficult sports in the world and the 1936 University of Washington college rowing team that competed for gold at the Summer Games in Berlin will inspire you. This team rowed out of need, need to eat, need to sleep, and it gave them an edge that captures the power of working together to overcome all odds while rowing for America. They don't make movies like this anymore, and it's filled with whole some content that makes it the ideal multi-generational movie for the holidays. Joel Edgerton and Callum Turner star in this exciting and incredible story of courage, hard work, and determination showcasing America at its best. Believe in each other. Believe in the impossible. The Boys in the Boat opens Christmas Day in theaters only. Get tickets now. Boysintheboatmovie.com. Boysintheboatmovie.com. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hey there, folks. Welcome back. As I gushed and gushed uh, in the introduction a moment ago, um, I, I don't want to gush right now with Nancy Piercy because she can hear me. But uh, it's a real privilege to get her on the program. She has written many spectacular books. The most recent one is called The Toxic War on Masculinity, How Christianity Reconciles the sexes, and it does. Nancy Piercy, welcome. Thank you. It's good to see you. It's great to see you and to have you on. I, um, as I said in the introduction, I've read the book, so I'll try not to to talk too much. But uh, what you have done here is very important. Uh, you give us the intellectual background for understanding. Uh, masculinity and how Christianity uniquely and utterly reconciles the sexes. So my first question, of course, is why did you choose to write this book of all the things you might have written about? Well, my eye was certainly caught by how incredibly hostile the, our culture has become to masculinity. The Washington Post had an article titled, Why Can't We Hate Men? And that was my wake-up call. I said, wait, in a respected mainstream publication like this, a Huffington Post editor tweeted, hashtag, kill all men. And you can buy T-shirts that say, so many men, so little ammunition. And there are books with titles that are very blunt, like, I hate men, and no good men, and are men necessary? 
So this is what I wanted to get to the bottom of. You know, where is this coming from? You can't really stand against a social trend unless you know where it came from and how it developed. And then there were even men jumping on the bandwagon. Um, a fairly well-known male author wrote a book in which he said, talking about healthy masculinity is like talking about healthy cancer. And then one more, which you may have seen, it's not in the book because it came out more recently, but the uh, director of the movie Avatar, James Cameron, was in the news because he said testosterone is a toxin that you have to work out of your system. So my initial reason for writing the book was I just wanted to understand where is this coming from and how can we counter it more effectively? Well, it's interesting. I, I, obviously, this has been in the culture for quite some time, and it's gotten particularly pointed uh, in, in more recent years. But a number of years ago, my sense of this led me to write a book called Seven Men and the way I dealt with it, which is yes. just to tell seven biography to give seven short biographies of seven in my estimation great men and what it is that's uniquely great about them and about their manliness uh and then i wrote a book about seven women and it's the same thing what made these seven women great is uh clearly comes out of their being women and so we're seeing an attack on the one hand, on men, we're seeing an attack on women. It's an attack on the image of God, and it's an attack on God. There's no question in my mind that this is all an attack on God. But I'm, I'm so glad that you focused. I mean, you've really homed in on various aspects uh, of this war on masculinity in the book and on the roots. So why don't we start with how this developed? Because a lot of people have this um, – I, I think a lot of people don't really understand – how this has been worked out in history. You know, what, what, what was a man and a father uh, in the 19th century, for example, and how that led to the, And you deal with that in the book wonderfully. So why don't we start there? A lot of people would say, oh, well, this hostility to masculinity perhaps came out of the 1960s, second wave feminism, but it actually started much further back. And this was a surprise when I started researching the book. You have to go all the way back to the Industrial Revolution right. because prior to that, Men worked with their husbands, men worked with their wives and their children all day on the family farm, the family industry, the family business. And so the cultural expectation on men focused much more on their caretaking role. Uh, in fact, here's a his historical fact that was very surprising. Most of the books and literature written on parenting back then addressed fathers. If you go in a typical bookstore today, they're mostly addressed to mothers. But back then, fathers did spend just as much time with their children as mothers did. And I love it when even secular historians bring out the Christian perspective that was very strong in the colonial era. So one historian says, masculine virtue was defined as duty to God and man. So that sense of duty, where did we lose that? Well, it really started with the Industrial Revolution because it took work out of the home. And of course, men had to follow their work out of the home. And for the first time, you know, they're working in factories and offices. They're not working with people they love and have a moral bond with, with their, with their families. And that's when you see the literature start to change. People started to protest. They didn't like what they were seeing. They began to protest that men were becoming uh, individualistic, egocentric, uh, self-interested, greedy and acquisitive. I'm using the language of the day and even making their career into an idol. That was the language you saw. I thought that was fascinating. Many people said men are starting to make their idol 
you know, their career success, their financial achievements. So the this was the first time negative language was applied to the male character. And of course, if the problem was men getting disconnected from their families, that does suggest what the most important solution is, which is reconnecting men to their families, which you know, I have a whole chapter on that as well. Um, but that's how far back you really have to go to find people very explicitly arguing that the male character has become degraded. And, and it, the language surprised me because it's almost as much as hostile as what we see today. And it, but what's interesting to me is how it's anybody who has a biblical worldview understands this is perfectly unbiblical. The, the idea to demonize any group, it's exactly like racism. To demonize men, to demonize women, to suggest that they are intrinsically flawed is a satanic project. And we're seeing it happen. Obviously, we're seeing it happen with men, but we're seeing the same thing happen with really the erasure of women. And ultimately, it's an attack on God and God's view of men and women. Well, exactly. Um, I mean, even in the 19th century, since you asked the historical question, you see people start to say, you know, the father is the prototype of God in the family. And yet all of a sudden he's not here. You know, we're used to being uh, men being out of the home all day. But back then it was a shock. Like, where are the fathers? Uh, one, the leading psychologist of the day said, uh, our boys are now half orphaned, half orphaned because their fathers were not in the home. And so I wanted to see why was this cultural shift? Um, it was because, like you say, because the father is the prototype of God in the family. And so when fathers were no longer in the home as, as they had been, that's when you start to see the language change because they said, wait a minute, um, men are men are no longer being the sort of Christian fathers that we used to have. You see, the, this is also the period when America began to secularize. Uh, before that, you know, when work was done in the home, there was no public-private divide. But now that the that when work was taken out of the home, this is also the development of large public institutions like business and financial institutions and the universities and the state. And people began to argue that these large public institutions should operate by scientific principles, by which they really meant value-free. That, that is, I have to say, that war. is one of the points you make in the book. And again, I want to recommend the book. It's called The Toxic War on Masculinity. But you... Um, by bringing this out, this is a stunning, real, really stunning discovery in a sense to say, aha, look what happened. For the first time, we have the development of this secular sphere. And it's not as though anyone planned it, but it just happens. And obviously, we are living with the result of that. I mean, the, the, the world of, of business, the world of the, just the world outside of the home um, Suddenly, you have it in the 19th century competing with the home. Uh, that, to me, is, is is a major piece that I've not heard anyone besides you say, uh, you know, in all these discussions of how we got here. Yes. And as the masculine character was secularized, as men were the ones, they were working in the secular realm. They were getting that secular education. And so people began to redefine masculinity in secular terms. One of the biggest stepping, you know, I through the book, I go through various stages, but one of the most important was the rise of Darwinian evolution. 
And that's surprising because most people think, well, that's about science. But it actually had a huge impact on the secular definition of masculinity. Darwinian thinkers began to say the men who came out on top in the struggle for survival would be ruthless, brutal, barbarian, savage, and predatory. And so this is the understanding people began to have in terms of a secular definition of the masculine character. Instead of urging men to live up to the image of God in them, they began to urge men to live down to the beast within. That was their favorite phrase. It is, And that's not... No, it's just uh, we're going to go to a break here, folks. Uh, So hang on one second. We've got much more with Nancy Piercy. The book is The Toxic War on Masculinity, How Christianity Reconciles the Sexes. It is vital that we understand this so we can combat the pernicious trend we're seeing now. Uh, We'll be right back. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful at lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Just the other night, I was asked that question. Well, the owners of Relief Factor tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and I agree with them. And the doctors who formulated Relief Factor for them selected the four best ingredients, yes, 100% drug-free ingredients, and each one of them helps your body deal with inflammation. Each of the four ingredients deals with inflammation from a different metabolic pathway. That's the point. So approaching from four different angles may be why so many people find such wonderful relief. If you've got back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or just getting older, you should order the three-week quick start discounted to only $19.95 to see if it'll work for you. It has worked for about 70% of the half a million people who've tried it and have ordered more. I'm one of them. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to find out about this offer. Feel the difference. Legacy Precious Metals has a revolutionary new online platform that allows you to invest in real gold and silver online. In a few easy steps, you can open an account online, select your metals of choice, and choose to have them stored in a vault or shipped to your door. You'll have access to a dashboard where you can track your portfolio growth in real time, anytime. You'll see transparent pricing on each coin and bar. This puts you in complete control of your money. The platform is free to sign up for. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com and open your account and see this new investing platform for yourself. Gold can hedge against inflation and against the volatile stock market. A true diversified portfolio isn't just more stocks and bonds, but different asset classes. This new platform allows you to make investments in gold and silver, no matter how small or large, with a few clicks. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com to get started. You're going to love this free new tool that they've added. Please go check it out today. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Welcome back. We're talking to Nancy Piercy. The book is The Toxic War on Masculinity, How Christianity Reconciles the Sexes. Nancy, you were just about to make a point when we had to go to a break. In other words, what many people today are protesting is not the biblical view of masculinity. It's the secular view of masculinity, and especially the secular view that was inspired by evolutionary thought. And it's still with us today. It's not called social Darwinism anymore. It's called evolutionary psychology, but it still says the same thing. There's a best-selling book called The Moral Animal, and the author says, and this is a direct quote, the human male is a possessive, oppressive, flesh-obsessed pig 
telling a man how to have a good marriage is like telling a Viking how not to pillage. And I thought, really? You can get away with this kind of negative language to men? And there's a recent book, another one. This is actually an older book that was just reissued by, you may know it because it's by George Gilder. But George yeah. Gilder says it as well. He says, uh, by nature, men are violent, irresponsible, and sexually predatory. Their deepest yearning is to escape to a primal mode of, let me see what he says, primal mode of predatory and immediate gratification. And so this is why people protest against a kind of toxic version of masculinity. Right. It's because the secular version of masculinity has become so negative. Well, it's a little complicated in the, in the sense that uh, George uh, Gilder, he's getting at some things that there's truth there. In other words, apart from God, um, apart from, you know, the the domestic uh influence of a wife, oftentimes that is where men go. And it's why, you know, God wants us typically to be uh, in a marriage, because there's something that men do for women and something that women do for men that's beautiful and it's and it's God ordained. And so when you talk about men suddenly finding themselves away from their families most of the time uh, in a secular environment and in an environment Filled with other men. In other words, there's something there when you think about what happens sociologically. The idea that men are not spending time uh, with wife and kids uh, in the home environment, but are suddenly now in this environment with, with other men most of the time. That's also a strange development, and it really led to – I think it's a um, – so it was self-reinforcing in a sense. It creates this, this separation or it, it creates uh, – a kind of a, an environment where men uh, maybe begin looking down on women or begin treating them because they're not around them as much. They're, this kind of hypermasculine society develops. In other words, there are there are truths there. So it's it's a little bit complicated. But what's wrong about it is it's a fatalistic, unbiblical view of who men are. Yes. And in, in about the end of the 19th century, what happened is men began to say, well, this is just who we are. You know, before that, the biblical view held enough sway that men still felt, OK, you know, my, my behavior needs to change. I need to live up to a biblical concept of masculinity. But then as a culture secularized, that's when men began to say, well, the, what we now have is the Andrew Tate phenomenon, right? Fast cars, fast money, fast women. And Andrew Tate specifically says, you know, I'm I'm a pimp. I produce pornography and uh, and women need to understand that men are just naturally sexually promiscuous and they just need to accept that. So that's where the beginning of the Andrew Tate phenomenon comes from. And by the way, even Christian men are being drawn into it. I have a, a former graduate student who now teaches high school. And she said, all of my male students are fans of Andrew Tate. Yeah. They're even putting Andrew Tate quotes in the yearbook. I said, where do you teach? She's at a classical Christian school. Yeah. So if men, if the if churches are not giving men a strong, healthy, biblical model of masculinity, they are reaching out to these uh, online influencers who are teaching a very secularized view. And that's why it's so important for us to get the biblical view out there competing with it so that even our Christian young men are not reaching out to the Andrew Tates of the world. Well, I th I really do think that, you know, sometimes these 
bad symptoms are a sign of deeper health in the sense that I think young men are looking for real masculine role models. And to a large extent, they haven't found that in churches. Churches, as you well know, uh, have been feminized. This is going back into the 19th century in America. But but in this century, the, the, the virtues that seem to be uh, held out are to be nice, to be winsome. And of course, there's a place for winsomeness, but there's also a place to be a warrior. And a lot of that stuff has been bleached out of even the church's version of what it is to be a man. So it's it's no wonder, really, uh, that uh, that men, especially young men, are attracted in these various directions. Yes, you know, a lot of it's because we've lost the notion of the cultural mandate. In my book, I bring people back frequently to the cultural mandate, which is in Genesis 1. Half my students don't even know what the term means. In Genesis 1, God's created the universe. He creates the first human couple. And then what is the very first thing he says to them? Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. So that's your purpose. That's why I created you. And in the streamlined language of Genesis 1, we can unpack that. You know, it doesn't mean just have families, but historically, all of the social institutions grow out of the family. The family becomes a clan, a village, a nation. You need social institutions for specific purposes, like you need a state, you need a church, you need a school, you need a marketplace. And so this is a very rich calling for both men and women, but we're talking about men here. You know, that their job is to build up all of the social environment and then subdue the earth means harness the natural resources. So most societies start with agriculture, but then also technology and so on. We'll be right back, folks, talking to Nancy Piercy, the book. Uh, it's a must read. The Toxic War on Masculinity. Lifting, lift that baby right up off the ground. With the overturn of Roe v. Wade, lots of companies are coming out saying they'll pay for employee abortion travel and expenses. Most of you have heard about some of these companies. You've decided to stop shopping or doing business there. But did you know that you most likely own stock in those companies through your 401ks, IRAs, and other investment accounts? Folks, this is a huge problem, and we need to do something about this to send a message to Wall Street through our investments. You need to go to inspireadvisors.com slash Eric and get a free Inspire Impact Report. This Biblical investment analysis will educate you on what's really in your investment accounts, like companies paying for abortion travel. You need to go to inspireadvisors.com slash Eric to connect with an Inspire Advisors financial professional who can run your report and help remove companies paying for abortion travel today. Go to inspireadvisors.com slash Eric. That's inspireadvisors.com slash Eric. Advisory services are offered through Inspire Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Are you tired of not getting a good night's sleep? Well, my friend Mike Lindell has created the perfect solution. He didn't just stop at the pillow. He also created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. Made from the world's best cotton called Giza, these sheets are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. And now for a limited time, you can get 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets with prices starting as low as $29.98. These sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors and have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Take advantage of this amazing offer. Go to MyPillow.com. 
Radiotaxes.com and click on the radio podcast square and use promo code Metaxas at checkout. You can also find deep discounts and all my pillow products, including the My Pillow 2.0 mattress topper and My Pillow towel sets. Don't wait any longer to get the best sleep of your life. Take advantage of this amazing offer. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square and use promo code Eric at checkout. Don't wait any longer to get the best sleep of your life. Call 800-978-3057 or go to MyPillow.com now and use promo code Eric. Talking to Nancy Piercy, the book is The Toxic War on Masculinity, How Christianity Reconciles the Sexes. Um, Nancy, you were just saying um, effectively that men are doers. Uh, uh, they, they, they like to do. They like to act. And to some extent, many churches um, have turned Christianity into this theological, ecclesiastical project, which it is not. It is meant to take over the whole person, all of our lives. We're supposed to take our theology into the whole world uh, to make the world a better place, and on and on and on and on. And that, uh, it, it seems to me, you were just saying, lies at the root uh, of why men often are, are less attracted uh, to church environments and to church life and why often it's women that are, that are more involved in church churches. Exactly. The church has been privatized. Christianity has been privatized. And as a result, most of us tend to think of Christianity in terms of just the sort of specifically religious activities, going to church, going to Bible study, praying and so on. And that's not what men and women were called to originally. You know, in a sense, we could say um, in, in, when we sin, we get off the track. When God saves us, we get back on, to, on the track. But what was the track? The track was the cultural mandate, which calls men to be in, you know, roll up their sleeves and be involved in building up the entire social world, including the laws and constitutions and treaties that govern it. And then secondly, uh, build up the natural world in terms of uh, technology and inventions, making computers, composing music. One of my students once said, what, composing music? Really? And I said, well, I play the violin. What's the violin made out of? Wood. What's the bow made out of? Horsehair. So all the transcendent beauty we associate with music starts with harnessing the raw materials of nature. And that's what the cultural mandate is about. It means uh, that this verse, uh, as theologians interpret it, means that our calling was to build cultures, create civilizations, make history. And so this gives a much bigger scope for men who, like you said, are doers, who want to accomplish, who want to have an impact, you know, who, who want to achieve, who want to have mastery. That's what the Bible actually does call them to. And that's that's the vision that our churches need to communicate to men. Well, you um, you, you talk in the book about how religion uh, is often cast as a cause of domestic abuse, which is a sick joke. But people say these things. Uh, you, you say that research shows that authentically committed committed Christian men uh, test out as the most loving and engaged husbands and fathers. They have the lowest rates of divorce and domestic violence of any group in America. Living as a Christian man and knowing uh, an infinite number practically of Christian men and families, that makes perfect sense to me. So this secular, this vile secular lie, uh, it needs to be uh, pushed against. And you've done so with 
with tremendous statistics and facts. Uh, it's one reason I think people need to be aware of your book, especially pastors and people in ministry. Yeah, I was surprised as anyone else. I kind of stumbled across this sociological data on Christian men um, because, you know, we've all heard the secular narrative. I'll, I'll give you just one example. The co-founder of the Church Two movement, which followed the Me Too, the Me Too movement, um, said the theology of male headship feeds the rape culture that we see permeating American Christianity today. And so social scientists were listening to these accusations and saying, well, where's your evidence? You're making these charges, but where's your data? And so they went out and did the studies, and I cite about a dozen studies in my book. And surprisingly, they found out that evangelical men who attend church regularly, whose faith is authentic, who are committed, actually test out at the top in the sense of being the most loving and engaged husbands and fathers. Their wives report the highest level of happiness. Um, sometimes I get pushed back by saying, of course the wife said that, their husband's sitting right there. No, no, the wives are interviewed separately. Uh, evangelical men spend the most time with their children, 3.5 hours more per week than secular men. Evangelical couples divorce at the lowest rate, 35% lower than secular couples. And then the real surprise is that they actually have the lowest rate of domestic abuse and violence of any group in America. So this is where we need to this focus and bring this message into the into the both into the culture to counter the secular narrative and into the churches. I'll give you one quote because a quote can sometimes summarize it, you know, encapsulate it. The the sociologist who did the largest study was Brad Wilcox at the University of Virginia. And to give you a sense of his stature, he writes in places like the New York Times. So this is a quote from a New York Times article he wrote. He said, and this is a direct quote, it turns out that the happiest of all wives in America are religious conservatives. They're focusing on the wives, of course, because the assumption is these marriages are oppressive. But no, the happiest of all wives in America are religious conservatives, fully 73% of women who hold conservative gender values and attend church regularly with their husbands have high-quality marriages. And then he turns to his secular colleagues, because sociology is a very secularized discipline. And this is my favorite part of the quote, actually. He says, academics need to cast aside their prejudices against religious conservatives and against evangelicals in particular. Evangelical Protestant married men with children are consistently the most loving and engaged husbands and fathers. So this is not a pep talk from a religious leader. This is solid empirical evidence. This is research data that we can confidently bring into the public square to debunk the secular narrative about evangelical men. I think, um, you know, data only works so much in the, in the sense that it, it only works for people who are open to the truth and are open to these things, because I would suspect strongly that most people uh, in the academic world, uh, they've bought into another narrative and they cannot possibly take Brad Wilcox's 
uh, statistics at face value. They believe in their heart of hearts there's no way this can be true because if it were true, it would upend my whole narrative, not just my narrative uh, about what evangelical uh, Christians are like or about the patriarchy. Um, And that's what's so fascinating to me, which is why I think um, people who are conservative Christians need to push back a lot harder. I mean, sometimes uh, what it boils down to, folks, is you have to know these are vile lies. uh, And uh, to the extent that you can persuade people, you do. But don't yourself buy into it. Let's start there or let's end there for this segment. We'll be right back talking to Nancy Piercy. The book is The Toxic War on Masculinity. Is the toxic war on masculinity how Christianity reconciles the sexes? And Nancy Piercy is the author. Nancy, there's really um, so many people have a very confused view of what Christianity is, uh, what it means to be a Christian, and that's because there is no easy answer. We know what the biblical answer is, the correct answer, but many people live out their faith in a way or identify as Christians, and they're not actually living as Christians. Um, so maybe talk about that for a moment, because when you when you say how Christianity reconciles the sexes, I know for a fact that that is correct. But people have a perception. They don't they don't understand that. Exactly. Well, and this is what this is a pushback I always get. For example, I always get the pushback. Haven't we all heard that Christians divorce at the same rate as the rest of the culture? So the researchers went back to the data and they separated out men who are truly convicted, who who go to church regularly from nominal Christians. And in America, we have a lot of cultural Christians. By the way, my students don't know what nominal means. So I tell them N-O-M is Latin for name. So this means in name only. Right. And these are men who on a survey like this might check the Baptist box, for example, but who attend church rarely, if at all. And they test out shockingly different. They actually fit all of the toxic stereotypes. Their wives report the lowest level of happiness. They actually spend the least amount of time with their children. They divorce at the highest rate of any group, 20% higher than secular couples. And then the real shocker is they have the highest rate of domestic abuse and violence of any group in America, even higher than secular men. And so this is why the the statistics are so skewed. Most people don't make this distinction. You know, they have the so they have men who are better than secular men and men who are worse than secular men. And that's why the statistics are so misleading. And it does suggest, of course, that the church has quite a difficult task. How can we, on the one hand, really support men who are doing well? You know, the the church has a tendency to scold men. Uh, One of my graduate students works for a large Baptist church here in Houston, and she said, on Mother's Day, we hand out roses and tell the women they're wonderful. On Father's Day, we scold the men and tell them to do better. So we need to stop that. Bring this data into the churches and really encourage and support and affirm the men who are doing a good job. And then on the other hand, how do we reach out with an effective discipleship program to these nominal men who, in a sense, are ruining the reputation of evangelicals because they actually are worse than secular men? This is the balance that churches now need to strive for. 
That's fascinating. And again, when we're talking about, you know, secular men, probably the data, I guess, you know, a, a lot of uh, secular men don't get married. And maybe the few who do or, the, uh, you know, would, would be more inclined to be good husbands because they don't believe in the idea of marriage, where you find a, a lot of nominal Christians uh, believe in the idea of, of, of marriage uh, and then get married, maybe don't take it so seriously. Who knows? Uh, all I know is that my experience has been that those men who are very serious about their faith are more than anyone alive, dedicated to their families, to their wives. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. And again, um, the difference is that they're actually living out God's idea of what it is to be a man. Uh, and that's part of the, the problem. Uh, in uh, Just for, we've, we've got 30 seconds left, but it seems to me, that this really is a war on God, that ultimately the war on men, the war on women, it's a war on people created in God's image. That's at the heart of it. There was a 35-year longitudinal study on how Christians can effectively pass on their faith, and they found two surprising things. Fathers matter more than mothers because the father, in, the father is the prototype of the heavenly father. So the father matters more. And the second thing was, it's the close, warm, loving relationship with the father that counts. He can be a pillar of the church, a moral exemplar, but if he's not warm and loving, his children won't follow him. There you have so it. So you're right. The, An attack on the father is attack on God. The book is The Toxic War on Masculinity. Nancy Piercy, thank you. Thank you so much. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.